Kids, you can be dismissed for Children's Church. I hope that you enjoy your time there. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, please open with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, we'll begin our reading in verse 1 through 7. I promise you, I do know how to preach other texts of the Bible except from the first seven verses of Romans 1. It seems like we've been here for quite some time. Um, but I promise you that next week, Lord willing, we'll be somewhere different. But we are looking at this this morning, Romans chapter 1, um, verses, specifically verses 2 through 7. And I will have to say to you this morning, there, this word that we are looking at this morning is one of those times where Sometimes as a preacher, you have to say what the Lord wants you to say. And um, what I say to you this morning is, is because I love you. Not because of my intention to make you angry or upset. But as a shepherd, my heart is to protect you from the wolves there. And so this is not intended to make you angry, but help you to fall more in love with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, would you stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word? Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, a servant of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your graciousness to us today and thank you, Father, for the love and mercy that you show us. And Father, our desire today is to hear your word to us, not my opinion or anyone else's opinion, but simply your word by the power of your spirit. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will spur us on to fall more in love with Jesus than we have ever before. And so, Lord, use this time, uh, Lord, that we may be sharpened in our witness for you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Question has always been posed, really for 2,000 years. How do you and I make the gospel relevant? I mean, that's a question that mission strategists seek to answer thousands of ways and thousands of times. And it's always been that way. How, how do we make the gospel relevant? 
Well, Paul helps us to answer that question, really, in verses 2 through 7. If you were with us two weeks ago, we looked at verse 2. We didn't get very far there, but we looked at verse 2, and there we found out that the gospel of Jesus is an announcement. It's not, it's not a command simply to do better. It is, it is an announcement that Jesus has done it all for you. And so that was the message that Paul gave his life to, that Jesus had done it all. It's best summed up in that song that we sing so often. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but, but he has washed it white as snow. That is the essence of the message that Paul gave himself to. But the question still remains for us. How do you and I share the gospel with our world today? A world that seems as if it become, is becoming more and more secular by the moment. A world where we value sin more than we value life itself. Just a few weeks ago, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed into law in the state of New York probably one of the most grotesque pieces of legislation protecting abortion rights in our history. And states like Virginia seek to follow suit. The world has changed a lot in the last 100 years. 100 years ago, if you didn't want to have kids, you just didn't have sex. It was just that simple. But today, you can slit a child's throat so long as the umbilical cord is attached and you won't get charged for murder. Our world is changing faster than we dare to realize. But the question still remains. How do you and I share hope in the midst of our generation? How do we do that? Paul helps us to answer that question here in verses 2 through 7. Again, looking back at verse 1, he says, Paul, he introduces himself. We've looked at this. A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart by the gospel of God. He's saying, I'm one who's been gripped by it. But then he goes on to say in verse 2, which he promised, speaking of Jesus, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. See, here's the deal. There was an objection there was a group of people, the Judaizers in Paul's day, that just hated Paul. I don't know why, but they just hated Paul. And they tried to discredit him at every juncture that he possibly could. And, and there was an objection to Paul's ministry everywhere that he went. And it was simply that the Pharisees and Judaizers claimed that Paul had invented his own message. That the, the good news of the gospel was his own invention. And so... He, he sought, they claimed, he sought to undermine Jewish leaders of the day by creating his own religion. That's what they thought that's what he wanted to do. But Paul here in verse 2 completely silences that argument. He's saying, what I preach is not my own invention. What I preach is not something that I've invented. It was God's message, even from old, foretold in the Old Testament through the voices of the Old Testament prophets. See, what Paul is making clear here is that the gospel is not God's plan B. No, the gospel 
was God's only plan to redeem broken humanity. Even today, there's a lot of people who want to subdivide the Bible and say, well, well, Israel had a different way than we do today. That's just a bunch of hogwash. We were always saved by grace through faith. In the Old Testament, it was faith in the promise beside to come. And today, it is, in, it is belief by faith in the resurrected Christ who was that Messiah that was promised to come. See, Paul didn't invent his own message. But let me be very clear to you in that we do not have the right to reinvent our own message either. At the turn of the 20th century, Protestant liberals sought to make Christianity palatable to our secular age. And they sought to explain away all the supernatural occurrences of the Bible to just say there's reason, scientific justifications as to why they happen. It's actually kind of comical to read those things. But, but what Protestant liberalism sought to do is it sought to make Christianity more attractive to a secular audience. But it didn't make Christianity more attractive. Actually, it made it less attractive. But listen to me today. We talk a lot about Protestant liberalism, give them a bad rap, and they deserve it. But in our day, there is something more damning and tragically more destructive in the midst of the American gospel that is far worse than Protestant liberalism. There are folks today who seek to reinvent the Christian gospel. Charlatans like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland preach a Christless gospel that is more about personal faith than about a resurrected Jesus. And they peddle their gospel all around the world, saying that if you believe in God, you will, have, you will have good health, you will never get sick, and you will never suffer. And such words, friends, seek to exalt a Christian spin on the American dream more than the name of Jesus Christ. But you also have pretty boys like Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick who want to make Jesus out to be a life coach, saying that you will have a better life. You will have better wealth and health. You will have better success if you just simply believe in yourself. Listen to me. Listening to Osteen is like, Listening to Tony, a Tony Robbins motivational speech, except without all the cussing. It's the same thing. See, according to Osteen's message, you really don't need Jesus. He just kind of tacks him in on the end to make you think that he's real. He doesn't preach about sin. He doesn't preach about hell. He doesn't even preach about Jesus' resurrection. See, all you need to have better life is just live right. And just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are really upset with me. You're saying, Brother Cole, you are judging these people by simply calling them out. Well, friend, check your Bible for a second. 
Because Matthew 7 says, judge not lest you be judged. But you also have to fast forward a couple of verses later. Jesus, in the same context, says in verse 6, don't give, dog, give to dogs what is holy. And don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Listen to me, friend. I'm not judging. That's God's job to do it. I'm just saying this. If it sounds like a pig and it looks like a pig, then it's got to be a pig. Brothers and sisters, let me be very clear, clear to you. That is not the gospel. And it will send you to hell. See, Jesus didn't live a sinless life. He didn't die a horrible death. He didn't rise again from the grave just so that you could believe in yourself. No, Jesus came for a purpose. Jesus came and he lived the life that you could not live. And Jesus died the death that you deserve to die. And Jesus rose again from the grave to accomplish what you could not accomplish even on your best day when you believe in yourself the most. That's what Jesus did. See, the truth is, the gospel is not... The gospel is... The true gospel is no matter how much, listen to me, no matter how much you believe in yourself, you will still die and go to hell because God demands perfection. And that's something you can't do on your own. No matter how much positive thinking, no matter how much belief you have in yourself, because listen to me, Jesus was your perfect substitute. He was the man who lived a perfect life. And he was the one who died your death in order to train, trade your sinful life for his perfect life of perfection. Because apart from that, you have no hope. No hope. So listen to me. If we're going to proclaim the gospel in our day... We cannot reinvent the gospel. It doesn't matter how many people they attract. It will not save at all. In verse 3, he goes on, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he said, Concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God, and power according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul is saying, Paul is making it evident that he preaches the true gospel. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because it agrees with everything the Old Testament talked about. See, the charlatans of our day, they just want to rip certain Bible texts out of context and make it say what they want to say. Paul didn't do that. Paul said all of the Old Testament was about Jesus. And all of my ministry, all of my preaching is going to be about Jesus. And so it exalts the Lord Jesus. See, 
That's what Paul's message was as recorded here. It was all about Jesus. Jesus was the son of David, he says. Jesus was the seed of Abraham. Jesus was the incarnate son of God. And as he says, it was all verified when Jesus rose again from the grave. Friend, there are plenty of false gospels in America today. But, but, but do you know how you and I distinguish one from another? It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Who are, who are they trying to... I mean, ask yourself a question. What does their message exalt? What does Paul say here? His message exalted the Lord Jesus. What does the message that they're preaching exalt? Does it exalt what I can do? Does it exalt what our church can do? Or does it exalt what Jesus has already done? See, friend, there are a lot of preachers out there who are trying to tell you what you can do. How you can have your best life now, how every day can be a Friday, how you can have a better marriage, how you can have better success. But let me be very, very honest with you today. The Bible is not about you. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Because the best that you and I could do, the best that we could have done, is we earned a front row seat to the flames of hell. That's what we could do on our best day. We are hopeless apart from a savior we are hopeless apart from a resurrected christ listen to me paul says that jesus is the center of the bible he is the hero of the bible not you he's the victor of the bible not you he is the savior of the world something that you and i could not do friend if you go to a church and the preacher makes you feel, feel better about yourself at the end of it. You need to flee from that place and never go back again. Because they are not preaching the gospel. See, real gospel preaching will make you, whenever you hear it, when you leave church, it will not make you feel better about yourself. If you hear real gospel preaching, you know what it'll do, Brother Owen? It'll make you leave worshiping Jesus for what he's done for you. That's what it'll do. Because my righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. But Jesus was the perfect substitute who died in my place. I have nothing to offer God apart from my sin. But Paul continues in verse 5. He says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to, to, bring, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Take a look at that first phrase in verse 5. We have received what? We have received grace. See, Paul saw the message of grace as the defining characteristic of the gospel. Because, you know, there's a lot of people in our day that say, you know, all the, all the religions of the world basically teach the same thing. And they really do, Brother Jim. They really do. Apart 
from the biblical gospel. Did you realize that? I mean, every religion in the world works off of this premise. I obey God, therefore I am accepted by God. That's how it all works. You just plug and play which God ever you want to be accepted by. But the gospel of Jesus tells us the, just the opposite. It teaches us that I'm accepted and loved by God. And because of that, because of my love for him, therefore I live a life of obedience out of gratitude for what Jesus has done. It's completely different than the rest of the world's religions. See, friend, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And you and I, we have nothing to brag about. We have nothing, zilch, to brag about. You have nothing to congratulate yourself for. The only thing that you contributed to your salvation was your sin. And Jesus even took care of that for you. Truth is, friend, human achievement has no place in the church. We are not here to pat each other on the back. That's not what we're here for. Oh, you're doing such a good job. Go on and do it. Yeah, we should be encouraging to each other, but here's how we should be encouraging to each other. To spur each other to believe in Jesus even more every day. Because he is, he is the answer for your sin. Look at, look at the second phrase here in verse 2. He says, we have received grace and, and apostleship. We looked at this a few weeks ago. In verse 1, apostleship in, in the New Testament was a special office that was designated for those people who had personally witnessed Jesus' ministry and resurrection. And it's an office that doesn't exist anymore because last time I checked, nobody in here has lived for 2,000 years. So you could not visibly see the Lord Jesus. But also, I want you to understand this, in one sense... Apostleship still does exist today. I mean, the word apostle, apostolos, literally means people who are sent. Paul was one who was sent for a purpose, to proclaim the gospel, uh, to proclaim a message of obedience to faith to all the nations. So in other words, by God's grace, Paul was sent by God to proclaim Jesus among the nations. None of us have experienced a capital A apostleship. But every one of us, if you've been saved by the Lord's grace, you've been given a small A apostleship. Just like Paul, we have been sent by our Savior, commissioned by our Savior to go into the world to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. Think about it for a second. Why, why does this gospel compel all of us to carry it around the world, sharing it with our neighbors? Why does it call us to do that? Well, first, think about it. How do you receive the kind of grace that the gospel proclaims and keep it to yourself? Think about it for a second. Imagine... If a deadly disease were to come in and infiltrate Garrett County, just broke out, and people got sick, and 
Within 24 hours, they, they died. It's kind of like, you know, the bird box. You look at whatever that junk is and you die, you know, 24 hours later, something like that. But somehow, you discovered a cure to it. And you, you alone hold it in the palm of your hand. Let me ask you a question. Would you keep that to yourself? You have to be one narcissistic individual to do so, wouldn't you? If you alone had the cure that's going to cure all these people who are going to die within 24 hours, you would share it. But I'm here to tell you, friend, the good news of Jesus is the only cure for your sin and for my sin and for anybody else that is out there beyond this building, including you. It is the only remedy for sin. And let me ask you this. How narcissistic do you have to be to keep that to yourself? But we do it every day, don't we? Secondly, we share it because God has commanded this to happen. If you notice in the last part of verse 5, he says, We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Paul is saying here that if you believe Jesus is Lord, you're going to do whatever you can to bring others into obedience to him. You're going to do whatever you can. And if you're not doing everything you can, then, then stop claiming to believe in him. Listen to me, church. It is time for you to stop hiding behind the excuses for not sharing your faith. It doesn't matter how scared you are. I still get scared. I still, my heart beats a little bit faster every time I have one of those conversations. It never gets, you never get past that. So just get over it. You know, it's like one person I know says, suck it up, buttercup, and just do it. Just do it. Charles Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher of a generation ago, said it this way. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now listen to me. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that if you haven't gone on a mission trip, you're not saved. That's not what it's saying. There are plenty of people who have gone on mission trips that don't share their faith with Christ either. So just because you go on a mission trip don't mean anything. He's saying that if you're not sharing your faith, it's probably because you don't have any faith to share at all anyway. So many of us, tragically, we live our lives like Jesus gave us the great suggestion, not the great commission. Friend, Jesus didn't give us a suggestion. He gave us a commission. Every one of us have been sent and he has, he has sent us all out in order to fulfill it. There's a story about um, Dwight Moody, famous preacher in Chicago um, of, our la- of the last generation. And um, after one of Dwight, Dr. Moody's sermons, a highly educated man came to him and he said, Brother Moody, excuse me, sir. But you have made 11 mistakes in your grammar tonight. And in a gracious rebuke, Dr. Moody replied, he said, I I probably did. 
Because my early education was very faulty. But I'm using all the grammar that I know in the master's service. Doing all I can. Serve the Lord Jesus. And then he looked at the man and he said, how about you? Are you using all that you have in service to the master? On another occasion, a man came up to Dr. Moody and he said, Brother Moody, I don't like your invitation. I don't think it's right the way that you do it. He said, well, brother, I've often been uncomfortable with it too. I wish I knew there was a better way. What is your method in inviting people to Christ? The man looked at him and said, I don't have one. Well, Dr. Moody said, well, I, I like my method a little bit better than yours. Church, listen to me. Whatever your limitation is, get over it. Whatever it is, just get over it. When God calls you by his grace, he calls you into his service. So go and make Jesus famous where you're at. It's just that simple. You already got the tools that you need. Some of you, you've been through E-E-A-E, whatever, faith evangelism, whatever we, the Baptist life way has thrown at you, and you're still not sharing your faith. Because of, but all you need is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's all you need. And last time I checked, if you're saved, you already got His Spirit. You don't have to wait for that either. Just go and proclaim the good news to people. Remember I asked you the question earlier, how do, how do you and I make the gospel relevant? You want to know the answer? You don't. You don't make it relevant because it's already relevant. 